This is episode seven of the Rising Man podcast with Wade Wynn. Buckle up, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Rising Man podcast. I am your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma, and I've got an incredible guest to bring to you guys today. Before I get there, I want to just thank everybody who's been tuning in up to this point. It feels like we launched this podcast months ago, and it's only been two weeks. And so far, the poor outpouring of support, all of you guys listening all across the world, in the US, Australia, Canada, France, Denmark, New Zealand, it's unbelievable, man. I'm so grateful to all of you guys who are tuning in, and I'm gonna continue to keep bringing you guys the fire right your way. So without further ado, let me tell you guys a little bit about my guest today. Today I've got on the show a man by the name of Wade Here's a guy who is deeply involved with multiple organizations that serve underprivileged and underserved youth populations, including the Mentor here in LA, the Parent Help Center in Florida, and Elevated Worldwide based out of Utah. He's committed to nurturing the minds and skills of young leaders in his community. Through the launch of the Young Innovators Program in his home state of North Carolina, Wade is leveling up what it means to support the next generation of young leaders. His mission is to support young people in turning their story of their upbringing and their circumstances into their power to bring change to the world. This guy, at only 25 years old, is a powerhouse. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't followed or caught wind of Wade's journey yet, you're going to want to catch it now because he is fitting to blow up. We talked about a lot of really deep topics today. Wade really opened up and got vulnerable. We talked about discovering and defining your unique version of freedom, how to rise above an abusive past, how to heal yourself by sharing your story, and a lot of other incredible topics. So without further ado, I present to all of you, Wade Wynn. How you doing, bro? How is it out there? It's chilly, man. It's chilly. It's Where are you at? San Diego? LA. I'm in Santa Barbara, California, man. We don't know. We, it could be August. It could be January. We have the same weather any given day. Beautiful weather over there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to being out in LA next week. It's going to be 84 out there. So different. And I'm in a, I'm in a turtleneck right now. I see it. And a jacket whenever I go outside. <laughs> and some nice fuzzy socks. So it's, it's quite chilly, but it, it's nice. I love North Carolina. Right on, man. Well, as always, you know, I'm so grateful for you taking the time. Um, I know that anyone who's listening today is going to really benefit from what you have to say because you are someone who I consider to be wise beyond their years. Um, is it okay if I tell everyone how old you are? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you're 25 years old, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. And I've gotten to learn a little bit about your journey, and I'm looking forward to digging in some more today to find out more about the saga of Wade and how you've come to be who you are. So the saga of Wade. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start right there, man. Um, one one question I like to start off with with everyone that I interview is, what is one unique experience, challenge, or ad- or triumph that you've had on your journey from becoming a from a boy to becoming a man that has defined you that really stands out in in your process. There's so many to talk about, but if I if I had to talk about the most defining moment in my life, it would have to be at 17 years old. And it was a point in my life where I think a consistent theme in my life has been the search for freedom. You know, maybe with all guys, we just want to be ourselves. And regardless of rules, regardless of regulations, regardless of whatever it is that we're being told, we want to just kind of rebel and find our own way. And that's the journey that I was on uh, as a teenager as well. And so I'm 17 years old. 
I'm going week to week to my mother's and my father's house. They, they were never married. Um, so always back and forth between both houses. And they had different rules and regulations and ideals for what they wanted me to be. And 17, that year before 18, that year before I'm supposed to be an adult and like go and make my life and figure out who I am. I had this, not a midlife crisis, but like an early life crisis, whatever you want to call it. And at 17, um, I was so tired of being told what to do, so tired of being directed or molded or shaped or whatever I felt like I was going through at that time that I completely cut off from everything. So I moved out of my dad's house, um, started smoking uh, marijuana every single day, like did drugs every single day, quit the baseball team. I was known all around the county, all around the state for baseball, left that, um, broke up with my girlfriend, started fell in calculus, super, I was really good at school, National Honor Society, like had so many awards at school for academics. Just like every part of my life that was going well for me, I completely removed myself from. And I think it was mostly unconscious, but at the same time, it gave me space to figure out who I really was. Mm. Like at, at the bottom of all these accolades, at the bottom of my family name, at the bottom of who, what I was known for and who I was, it kind of left me bare to figure out who I am and who I want to be. Um, and so at that same time that at 17, it was very emotional and it was very traumatic for a lot of people in my family, uh, even more than myself. It was also a very defining moment for me to kind of recalibrate and figure out who I am and how I want to live my life. Um, so that was, yeah, definitely one, of, definitely one of the biggest challenges that I've been through. And that's so fascinating, man. You know, um, there's, there's something that I don't know if everyone who's listening is familiar with called rites of passage. It's something that exists in a lot of cultures and traditions. Um, it happens for both boys and girls as they're going from boy, boyhood or girlhood, respectively, into manhood or womanhood. Um, and it's usually marked by a pretty signature event or a ceremony or something that's done to mark the transition from boy to man, girl to woman. And um, do you feel like that might have been what you were onto at that point in your life? Sure. Sometimes I feel like I'm still 80, 90 percent boy, even at 25. Right. Um, but it, it definitely was it definitely was a turning point to figure out who I am uh, and, and what I want my life to be like. And I think that is part of manhood, deciding and choosing mm. who you want to be and how you want to show up is you're leaving the influences of your family. You're leaving the influences of what you grew up around and the environment that you grew up in and starting to really think about what environment you want to create, what family you want to create, what life you want to create. And I think that is the journey from boy to man, from adolescent to adult, however you want to define that. Mm, that's beautiful, man. I, and that's also something that is usually tied to these rites of passage is finally taking ownership of your own life, of your own destiny, and making choices for yourself. Because for the first part of our lives, you know, really the only part of our lives that we know up till that point is someone else making our decisions or influencing how our life unfolds. And so it's almost uh, a necessary thing that must occur that I would also say a lot of people in our society don't get to experience. Either it's not acknowledged, the, the official transition from a dependent child into an independent adult, um, or it's, it's, it's not supported in so any true. way by marking it or you know, so that's, I know that's something we've spoken about and something we both hold dearly in our hearts. So true. And that, I, I work with a lot of families and a lot of youth, a lot of adolescents, a lot of adolescent boys to be specific. And I, I think you're so right with that. We don't acknowledge or don't support that rite of passage. And so often, and it's understandable, but so often our mothers and mostly our mothers feel that when they see us rebelling, they see us trying to 
just create something new, create something that's our own, to rebel against a system that we know at 16, 17 years old, we think it's bad. We think our child's acting up, our child has problems. What, what disorder are they having? What, why are they acting out? What's going on? And they freak out and we go to medication, we go to therapy, we go to behavior clinics, we go to rehab, we go to uh, juvenile justice, we go wherever we can to figure out what the problem is. And it's a natural part of life that we just don't mm. support or acknowledge in modern times. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. And it's great to see guys like yourself and, and other people who are in our social circles uh, starting to pick this work up and, and bring it to those to those youth, to those adolescents. I, I think that I'm sure that there's going to be some young folks who are listening to this interview um, who it probably would be really helpful for you to go, if you can go back in time a little bit and just describe a little bit of what your mindset was like, what did the world look like? What were you thinking when you were going through that time, because I know I had no no idea what was going on in my life. I had no direction, no one really to look to. And um, what was that like for you? Yeah. So the defining theme for me at that point in my life was trust issues. And I remember me and my best friend, uh, his name's Xavier. We used to talk every day about having trust issues. And I think that although we only thought it was an individual experience at that time, it's probably something that many, many youth experience throughout their, their lives. And I think part of my trust issues was definitely with females at that time, but also in my family dynamic, my mother had been married seven times. So mm. um, I had constantly had new father figures coming and going in my lives where I would, one night I'd be hugging them, telling them I loved them, and the next day I would never see them again. And so when you have people come in and come out of your life that are so intimate, that are so close to you, and then they leave and you never hear from them again, I think it develops this trust issue of, okay, are you going to be around? Are you who you say you are? Are you genuine? And all these questions come up. Um, so I would say 17 was a product of just a history of trust issues and also being sick and tired of being influenced by the people around me. I remember I played this song on repeat. It was by Eminem. And I think it was Lil Wayne at the time. It's called Drop the World. Mm, and I remember that. I would one. play it back to back. And I would just, my goal for 17 was to purge myself of every single emotional experience to make sure that nobody else could ever make me feel any type of way in my entire life. And I let go of all the emotions to the point that I just had a stale face for two, three years. And wow. my journey lately, my journey the last two years has, I've had to learn how to get excited again. I've had to learn how to feel emotion again. I've had to learn how to get sad again because I was so good at purging myself from letting anybody in or anybody influence me based on the trust issues that I had at 17 years old. Um, so I think that was my experience of who is real, who is not, who is loyal, who is not, who is genuine, who is not. And I, reacted to it in the best way that I knew how at that time. It's not the way I would react mm. to it now, but I didn't have the tools, the techniques, or the understanding or the wisdom that I do now based on my experience. And cutting myself off from the world seemed to be the most beneficial way of making that happen. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, we both work with uh, teenage and adolescent males, and we see this over and over and over again, is those are some of the most guarded people in the world are those are those young boys those they're trying to figure out what it means to be a man in the world and it's they're taught they're taught and it's modeled for them that it's not safe to show your emotions and if you do share your emotions with an older person in many cases an older male 
you can't you can't trust that the love is going to be returned or that one day it won't be taken away from you. So, um, so what did you? How did you find your way out of that that emotional numbness? I think it was it was a gradual process. Like I, I said, just two to three years ago, I've been working towards trying to be emotional again. I've been working to trying to be able to express and feel and, and share in that emotional experience. So many times I've noticed that somebody would come up to me super excited and I would respond like, oh yeah, cool. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. Um, so wow. there, there was no real specific or defining point that I can think of that helped me through that process, but it was the fact of uh, moving from the, my hometown, Lexington, North Carolina, uh, luckily, right after I went through all that, I went to Chapel Hill. So I went into a university, went to a new environment where nobody knew who I was, where I wasn't defined by anything that I was in my hometown. So it kind of gave me a space and a canvas to do exactly what I wanted to do, to do exactly why I purged myself of all the emotions, all the things that were around me uh, to build myself again. And I remember the first day mm. being on that campus, I was like, nobody knows who I am. I was such like a big shot. I was like a big fish in a small pond. Lexington's the size of nothing. Um, so it's super easy to be well known there. Uh, and I went to Chapel Hill, which is 26,000 students and nobody knew who I was. And I, I said, I want to recreate myself here. I want to recreate that influence. And I think that platform and that, uh, that space gave me the ability to explore and play and figure out what that was and who I wanted to be. That's really interesting. You bring that one up, man. That's, that's an experience that I also share. Um, when I went to college at, when I was 18 years old, uh, I went to a place where nobody really knew me. At least they didn't know me very well. Um, and then later on when I was 22 years old, I was finishing up grad school and I, I went to live on the Diné reservation. A lot of people uh, know it as the Navajo reservation mm. for three months. And, and that was where I really understood what it was to go somewhere where nobody knows me. Mm. It's a blank canvas. And I get to see not only how, how do I show up in new places, but what's mirrored back to me? You know, how, how do people treat me in a place where they don't know my history? They don't know my backstory. I'll share with them a little bit if they ask, but mostly they're just getting who I am and how I show up. So that's, that's, a, that's a powerful experience to have, you know, and, and I wonder how many people don't actually get that. A lot of people. I don't know where you grew up, but if you ever go back to your hometown, you'll notice 60, 70 percent of the people they went to high school with are still there. And I think yeah. something that we never talk about and one of the most important things in my own journey and who I've become is being able to move so often to places that people don't know me. Mm. And so we get that experience of being able to figure out how we show up, getting that feedback to who we are without anybody else knowing any preconceived notions of who we are, how are they experiencing us, experiencing us in the moment? And that just provides a greater level of awareness for how we come off and how we show up. Um, I think mm. that's been like the biggest help for me in having this journey to the person that I've become today. Mm. That's awesome, man. Um, I, before we start to shift gears into some of the work you're doing, so, you know, some of the purpose work that you have uh, lined up for you, um, I want to, you mentioned a word in, in the first beginning of this interview, you said freedom. Mm. You said that at that time when you were 17 years old and you were beginning to rebel against all these things, you were looking for freedom. Mm -hmm. And I want to first ask you, what, what, is free, what did freedom mean to you then? And what does it mean to you now if it's different? Great question. Freedom, freedom is definitely different to me now. And I would say growing up in adolescence, freedom was more about getting space from my family. Freedom was more about, you know, being able to stay out late, being able to go where I wanted to go, being able to hang out with who I wanted to hang out. And it was more of 
inching and moving and pushing and pressing and expanding these boundaries that I've been put on in school and home life, right? Because our parents mm-hmm. put jurisdictions and boundaries on what our life is able to be. And so freedom was more of like, how can I stay up later? How can I go out later? How can I hang out with friends um, instead of going to family events? So it was more of trying to find freedom in this space that was already set for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I would say more of like a small minded or uh, a smaller version of what freedom is to me now. Um, And so what happens is when we leave home and we go and we create our own lives, this freedom, we still have that bubble, those boundaries that are put on us by society, uh, where our financial income is, where we are living, uh, what the mindset in society is around us. That's still like a kind of like a bare, a boundary, but it's not as present. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have more of the ability to define who we are and and where we go and what we do. So when we first go to college, some people go absolutely crazy because the parents have been so strict when they were in high school that they have no boundaries now and they're staying out till 7 a.m., 8 a.m., partying. Um, So freedom for me um, was one boundary boundary pushing, trying to expand those boundaries. And now it is more of understanding that freedom is more about being who I am, just in the same way that we have fingerprints, that my fingerprint is different from your fingerprint. I know we've heard this analogy so many different times, but we all have a unique fingerprint. And I think we all have a unique mark to leave on the world. In that, in that mm-hmm. same line of thought, the, the mark of man, like the, the mark that we, the, the purpose that we have in our lives, the mark that we can leave on the world is uniquely our own. And freedom is about deciding and choosing what that mark is gonna be. And so my mm-hmm. freedom has evolved more from, instead of like trying to figure out what I can do inside the boundaries, it's more of figuring out who I am and how do I choose to live and how do I operate and what work do I have in this world that is gonna leave an impression that I want it to leave. Mm. And so the opposite of that would be living a life that we never really choose. Mm. And so if you think about the American dream of going to get a nine to five, to save up money, to get a family, to get a white picket fence house, to get two cars, to get two kids, and then when you're, when you're 50, 60, 70 years old, you're like, oh, wow, you know, I really wanted to do that or this. I never did this. I never did that. This was on my bucket list. I never got a chance to do that. That is the absence of freedom because we didn't mm-hmm. have choice in that. So freedom to me is more about choice of, of who I am and how I want to move and interact with the world around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that that's where so many uh, guys in their, I would say, 20s to 30s, that 20 to 30 decade mm-hmm. that we live in, this is exactly the challenge. Like at the root of all the vices, at the root of all the substance abuse, the suicides, the depression, the violence, the aggression, any kind of behavior that doesn't fit in with you know, an elevated man, right? Uh, a conscious man. I think it's all connected to how close is someone connected to a sense of freedom? Mm. or in yeah. another word that I like to use is a sense of purpose, like actually creating something in the world that, that serves, you know what I mean? So I think that, that and I know in the work that we do, we, we talk about this a lot. So I, th- I feel like that's a natural transition into this conversation of purpose. And maybe you can reflect a little bit on your story, catch us up now. So you were, you went to college and that's where you started to begin um, defining yourself a little bit more after you'd stripped some things away. You were on this two or three year journey of rediscovering your emotions and yourself and your identity. So where did purpose start to emerge for you and how did that happen? Yeah, purpose 
is also an evolving concept. And it's something that I've always been on the search for. So I was that kid at 11, 12 years old that I would cry myself to sleep in my bed thinking about what is death? What does it feel like? What is the experience? And I just imagine it being blank dark for six million years, like never coming back ever. And I couldn't understand that concept. So 16, 17, I'm like, okay, why are humans here? Why are we here? What is our purpose? And I would go out to Grimes Park, a few few steps down the street from the house that I grew up in, look up at the stars. I'm like, we're so small. Why do we think we're so big? Why do we think we're so significant? <laughs> what is the reason that we're here? So I was always on that search for purpose. And the moment that it hit me, it sounds so cliche. I, I hate telling the story because it's so cliche. <laughs> no, go for it, man. <laughs> the moment it hit me was 22. So after college, um, I was dating this girl. I moved from North Carolina to Seattle, Seattle to go live with her. It lasted about six months. And then I left and moved down to Jacksonville, Florida. And when we came, we flew back down to Jacksonville, Florida. It was like our final breakup moment. I was sitting out in the parking lot outside of our hotel. She was waiting in the car, waiting for me to take her to the airport. And I was sitting by this little pond and it hit me, just like struck me like a bolt of lightning into the middle of my head, like an antenna, like a radio antenna, just like received a frequency. And it was like the purpose of life is to love. Mm. Mm. And it sounds so cliche. Uh, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, the purpose of life is to love, be a good person, yada, yada, yada. But it was more than the intellectual understanding. It was the feeling of that. It was the feeling that my goal and my duty in life is to grow towards love. And I had this like metaphor understanding that love for humans is like sun to a flower. A flower grows mm -hmm. towards the sun. It's, it's, it, the photosynthesis process, the growth process starts when the sun is out. In the same way, when we align ourselves with love, whatever that looks like to us, our cells become more active, our bodies become healthier, our skin is more shiny and trans, you know, we just, we just feel healthier. Mm -hmm. um, and so 22 was that I got the idea of, okay, the purpose of my life is to love. And now 23, 24, 25, what does love look like in my life? What does it mean for me to live a loving life? What does it mean for me to give back and to be of service to the people that are around me? And then that's that concept that we hear from Juvon or we hear from the leadership industry called servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Part of leadership is learning to give and to be of service to the people that either are in your company or the people that are following you or just the people around you in general. Leadership is coming last. And so looking in the ways that I could lead in service. And obviously that's taken a specific presentation in my life as well. And, and no, and that's, and that's beautiful, man. Uh, you know, I've, I've shared before on this podcast when I was talking about, you know, my inspiration for doing this kind of work with men and being in this conversation of having a very similar type of moment and, um, other men that I've talked to who have a degree of clarity around this idea of servant leadership have some story connected to that clouds parting, sunbeam <laughs> shining right on your face moment, that moment of clarity. And, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly if everyone experiences it that way. I'm sure it's different in every unique scenario. But I also think that a lot of people miss it. I think that a lot of people in this time, that that sign comes in and either they don't allow themselves to have it, they don't give themselves permission to have a life that's maybe entirely different than they would have imagined because of what their parents are telling them they should do, what society's telling them they should do. Because a lot of times I find, I hear that, that purpose is, it, it's unconventional. It's usually something that it, nobody's done before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder, do, do, you, do you see some of the same thing with people that you talk with and work with? All the time. 
all the time. And, and there's this, uh, it's like once you've talked to enough people and once you've seen it from enough people, you, you probably had the same experience. You can start to see and feel and just, when you notice people, you notice if they have it or not, whatever that it factor is. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. typically it's either that experience or this feeling inside themselves that they want to be more, that they know that they're meant mm -hmm. to do something gr great in this life. Mm -hmm. And I found in my life that those people are people that have started to create space for this experience and this understanding of what is my purpose? Why am I here? And just, just a more consistent way of, I want to be the best person I can be every single day. It takes that dedication and the clarity comes to experience. Yeah. And, and just creating space, right, from, from what we're meant to be, the path that we're meant to take, and just reflecting on what is my life. I'm, in the same sense that I was outside the hotel, sitting on the rock by the pond, I was thinking, what's next? Mm. And that's, that's what came through. So it's, it's making time for that, yeah. making, making space for that, that sense of clarity. Yeah, man. And, and so far, I feel like we're talking about it on the other side of that journey, that yeah. journey into clarity and that... Um, and, and on the other side of it, it's, it's brilliant. It's amazing. You know, being able to create a podcast for men and work with men, becoming the best version of themselves. Like that's, that's a dream I could have never imagined 10 years ago, um, even five years ago when I was really in my own darkness. So um, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit to where um, some of those challenging times, some of those hard times on the journey for you. Can you uh, share a little bit about what that was like for you and, and maybe some things that helped you during that time when you were in, in that darkness yourself. Yeah, and, and the important thing that I wanna say before we get into this is that a lot of those challenges and the experiences that we've been through growing up are setting the stage and the foundation for what our purpose is later on. And so mm -hmm. if you don't have exact clarity on who you are, what you wanna be or what you wanna become or what your overall mission in this world is gonna be, you know, yada, 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 maybe it hasn't been put in place yet. Maybe you haven't had those challenges or experiences that are going to define what your purpose is because that creates a unique experience mm -hmm. that has never been lived in anybody's life mm -hmm. at any time in the history in the billions and billions and billions and billions of people of humans that have ever been on this earth. Mm -hmm. Our stories, your story, my story, the people that listen to this podcast are being created in a unique, unique way. And that's where I think our purpose derives from. Wow. So let, let me um, give an example of this in my own life. My purpose right now, I would say the way that I live my life right now, is to improve the quality of relationships between families and their between parents and sons, between parents and daughters, parents and children, just to improve the family dynamic. And that comes primarily from my past. Mm. So like I said, my mother went in and out of divorce. So we constantly had new father figures coming in and out of our lives. My first stepfather, my half brother's father, so I have three younger brothers, 23, 17, and 14. His birthday was just last week, the 14-year-old, he's the baby. Uh, he's awesome though. Hmm. Um, so Dylan is my oldest younger brother. Uh, our first stepfather committed suicide. He was in fifth grade, I was in seventh grade. And I remember distinctly, um, when I was in seventh grade, my mother and my brother went to go to my stepfather's house because Dylan used to go there every other weekend. And they knocked on the door, boom, 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 boom. Haven't heard from him in three days. And my brother walked around the side of the trailer, broke into the window, climbed in. And he said, it, as soon as he got in that window, he, he immediately noticed a stench to the room. 
And so he's walking in, he walks right past the living room to go let my mother in, lets my mother in. And as he's walking back into the living room, he looks around and his father is laying there on the couch, hold through his head, gun on the ground, and a bloodstained note that he left for my brother. Mm, wow. And so this, this is one of those defining moments. Mm-hmm. His father's laying there with a the hole through his head. And that's the legacy of a man or the version of a man that his father left imprinted in him for what he's meant to become. Because wow. we get that from our fathers, right? Um, sure. And less directly for me, I have a phenomenal father. I, I owe a lot of who I am to my father and the way that he moves in the world. But my stepfather was also a father figure for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so we went from that to our second stepfather. Uh, me and my brother were sexually abused by our older stepbrothers. Um, so we went from this one situation right into the next situation mm-hmm. and to where older male figures in our lives were abusing us sexually, taking that type of innocence from us that you, you, can't, you don't really get back. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't really know what was going on at the time, but you know, two, three years later, when you start to have a concept of like what is right and what is wrong, you're like, Oh damn, that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not meant to happen. Sure. Um, yeah. And so we went through that together and didn't really talk about it. I didn't really mention that until I was 22 years old. I didn't tell a soul about it until I was 22. Mm-hmm. I'm just dealing with the concept of like, okay, am I gay because I've done this? Am I homosexual? Are my friends going to think of me differently? Are my parents going to think of me differently because of what's happened? Um, and so we went through that relationship. And so there's just a number. And our third stepfather tried to commit or tried to hang uh, my mother by her throat from the second story balcony. Wow. Me and my brother had to break in through the door uh, to stop him from strangling her to death over the lake house, um, lake house balcony. And so there's just a number of experiences throughout mm-hmm. our childhood that's like, okay, what's going on? This is all related to the family dynamic and how mothers and fathers and brothers and brothers and brothers and sisters relate to each other. And so because mm-hmm. my family life was so interesting, growing up mm-hmm. uh, and, and a large part of me thought it was wrong growing up. That has become my purpose. It is now my purpose because of what I've been through, because of my experience to be the example, to be the solution for that situation in the future. And I can be that solution in many different ways. I can be that solution personally by creating a family that is different from what I experienced. And I hear that from so many people. I'm never going to be like my father. I'm never going to be like my mother. I'm going to do things differently. So we have that kind of personal purpose, that personal mission to be different ourselves. But I think when we extend past that personal mission, we evolve into this societal mission. Okay, now that I know that I'm going to be different, that I worked on myself, now it's time for me to help other families, to help other students going through the same thing, to help other children going through the same thing. And that's where I'm at in my life. I don't have a family yet, but I feel very capable of being a good and loving father. I know I'm going to mess up. And at the same time, I've done a lot of personal work to get through what I've been through in the past. And so now my goal is to how can I support families and support children going through the exact same situations that I went through? Maybe the physical aspect of it doesn't look the same. Maybe we didn't go through the exact same experiences, but a lot of times we've gone through the exact same feelings. Can I trust them? Are they genuine? Are they going to hurt me? You know, those Mm -hmm. same questions come up regardless of the situation. Uh, mm. And it can look like many different things in people's lives, whether it's abuse, whether it's a parent um, being, a, being a foster child, whether it's somebody just, you know, leaving for a week or divorcing, you know, people go to the same feelings, although the physical differences are not the same. Um, so my purpose right now has become to support those families and support those children in the best way that I can. I don't have all the answers. 
I'm still mm-hmm. figuring it out just <laughs> in the same way that we are. But by doing that work, by holding these families accountable, by asking them questions, by sharing my personal experience, I'm able to help them normalize the situation, first of all, and also ask the question, how do we get better? How do we improve this? Where do, where do we go from here? Wow, man. Thank you for, for sharing those stories. I mean, and being vulnerable enough and confident enough to share that with everybody. I know um, there are so many of those stories that go unheard. There's so many people that um, have been, I don't want to use the word victim, but have, that, that have experienced some sort of abuse or violence in the home that uh, th- that don't feel safe sharing that. And you said you were, it wasn't until you're 22 that you told anyone about a lot of that stuff. So, so, th- so I mean, just, just even demonstrating that um, people who haven't shared that, who, uh, that there's a lot of, I, I imagine there's a lot of healing that comes from that. Cause I haven't experienced that type of abuse or violence in my life, but you, so why don't you tell us? Uh, yeah. Do you know Esalen Institute? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So yeah. try, try pass it on the way up to Big Sur. Oh, no way. Yeah, Big Sur. So I went out to Big Sur for the <laughs> first time when I was 22, 23. This is when I'm in Florida after I moved back from Seattle. And I was really into this concept of human potential. Yes. And Esalen Institute was founded by the founders of the human potential movement, Michael Murphy and Dick Price, I think was his name. Uh-huh. So immediately, okay, I'm coming out there. I bought a ticket, applied for it, got in and went out. And I had one of the most transformational months of my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, four weeks, five weeks into that experience, I was sitting down with a female who is one of my best friends today, uh, who had been through a similar experience as me and talked to me about it. And she gave me that space to first express what I had been through. Um, mm. with the sexual abuse when I was younger. Mm. I've talked about a lot of other aspects of growing up, but I had never really spoke about that. And just to be able to let that out, even though I didn't think it affected me anymore and it was 10 years ago and then I'd moved on and I was la- like, my life was, I, it was the last thing in my mind, mm-hmm. saying it and releasing it, yo, crazy. It changed so much. And then saying it again and saying it again and saying it again. And like the sixth, seventh time I shared it, I was finally at a point where I didn't feel any emotions inside of me anytime that Mm. I was able to share it. And what the amazing thing is now that I'm comfortable sharing it, I go and speak in schools now and I go and speak in front of students and children going through it right now. And I'm able to share that experience. And they'll, I always have at least one or two that come up to me after my, my speaking and they say, Hey, you know, I just went through that a year ago. I just went through that two years ago. So for wow. them to be able to express that and to share that so early on mm-hmm. could save them those 10 years of uncertainty of like, what does this mean for me? What do I do? And the trauma and, you know, all this stuff that it, that it goes through. Wow. So that's wow, how, man. And in terms- that's how it can become a gift. Like that's how what you've been through can become a blessing for the people around you. Absolutely, man. And that goes right to what you were saying about turning that, you know, personal individual journey triumph into social service and then like serving your community because I imagine those boys, girls, whoever it is that are coming up to you after you speak, you know, that, that that's 10, like you said, that's a decade of weight, maybe even more. I, I mean, I'm, there's there's adults that are twice my age who I've heard in, in circles, you know, safe spaces, share their stories of abuse for the first time. And I imagine, you know, what is the impact on that person's life of carrying that around for years and years and i know one of the big things that comes up around that is is shame especially for us men you know we carry a lot of shame and a lot of guilt around things like abuse um um, if if someone expressed violence against us when we were kids or you know and it doesn't have to be sexual abuse even just verbal abuse you know we feel we take that on 
we feel like it's our fault. We feel responsible and it, it affects us. It affects our development. And um, so, so that, that concept of shame, is that something that you had to navigate in your experience? Of course, of course. Cause you know, as, and I hear this all the time, especially when children go through divorce or when, when they've experienced something in their lives, children always think it's their fault. Mm. Six, seven years old, eight years old, 12 years old, 14 years old. It doesn't matter the age. They always think it's their fault. And so there's some type of shame that goes along with that, that thought of like, I caused this. This is my mm-hmm. fault. I'm not good enough. I created this. And wow. you, 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 it's so obvious to us now that, you know, when you're six years old and your parents divorce, it's not because of you, but it's because they didn't know how to handle that relationship. They didn't know how to handle that responsibility of having a child. And so that shame comes up in many different situations. And of course, that's something that I experienced as well. Even though I wasn't the initiator of that abuse, I still felt like it was my fault. I still felt like it was because of me that that happened, that 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 act defined some part of who I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And it's amazing. It amazes me all the time how hard kids are on themselves. Kids and young people, people who haven't haven't come to terms and accepted and forgiven themselves for um, whatever experiences they had when they were younger. It, it amazes me just how much responsibility they take on for things that happened that, in retrospect, really they they didn't have much control over. Yeah, you know, it wasn't really wasn't really their choice. So um, yeah, that blows me away all the time. I think this is some unwritten law, though. I heard it put once that it goes suffering, learning, blessing. And so a lot of things that we experience in our lives, the first step is to suffer through it. The second step mm-hmm. is to learn from it. Okay, what does this mean for me? How do I become different? How do I show up differently for people? And then the third is blessing. And I think mm-hmm. that we can never really feel gratitude or blessed for those shameful experiences that we've been through until we learn to use it mm-hmm. and in a beneficial way for the people around you. So I'm grateful for my experience now when I was younger because it allows me to relate and connect so deeply to people that feel like nobody else has gone through what they've gone through. Like it's such a useful tool for me now in the work that I do because I've been through that experience. So it's a, it's a blessing that I went through, uh-huh. but I wasn't able to see that until I went through the 10 years of suffering. And so I went through, I'm still learning about it, but the two years of learning and then now I'm finally <laughs> able to have a platform where I can use it as a blessing. And I'm mm. grateful, grateful. So it brings happiness in my life. That abuse brings happiness, Wow. which is like how we never wow. think of it that way, right? I know, man. I know. I, I can imagine that there's probably some people listening right now that are in that first stage of suffering, regardless of what it is, that are like, how the hell could this be a blessing? Right. How the hell, like, how, how could this possibly be a blessing? Like, hard to wrap your mind around. So I, I'm glad that you're sharing that on the other side of it. And I've made that mistake, too, especially with females. Like, they're going through the worst part of their day. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really good that you're going through that. And they give that much like, <laughs> oh, I'm about to smack you. You, know? <laughs> you don't know what it's like right, right? but right. it but it, it also is important to to reflect that in mirror because yeah um, i think that that's i think that's you know sharing possibility it, you know nobody can imagine or, or even receive it as a blessing until they see that there's a possibility for that so i, I love that tool i'm going to hold on to that one and, and share it with people and what, one more point before we move on um, um when we look at the lens of life through uh if, if the purpose if our universal purpose as humans is to move towards love in the same way that the universal purpose for flowers is to move towards the sun. What we do with love is sometimes we experience love for what it is, but also we learn about love by experiencing what it is not. 
And so by going through these experiences that look like challenges, that look like problems, that look like mistakes in our childhood, we are actually learning what love is by experiencing what it is not. Mm. And so by being abused, by feeling what that's like, by going through stepfather through stepfather through different family dynamics, by experiencing the lack or the lack of presence of love, I'm able to say, okay, that's not love. So what does love look like? So I'm able to learn about love both in seeing it personally, but also experiencing what it is not. And so it's another way that those moments can be beneficial towards us or that, that kind of facilitates the learning process. That is the learning after the suffering. This was not love. So what is love? Mm. Okay, this is love. So how do I use that to help people around me? That's the blessing part. Wow. So it's navigating those, those transitions. Well, that, and that's such a great way to frame it up, man. I'm glad that you tacked that on at the end there because that, I can, I know it's not an easy journey to go from the suffering and then find the learning and then appreciate the blessings. So it's, it's good to have that framework tied to it. Um, moving on from there, that's such a wonderful tool and you've already dropped so much wisdom in this, in just this interview. Um, but are there any other specific tools or, um, strategies, tips that have, that have helped you on your journey that you would share with someone else who's going through it right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I grew up in the wilderness because, uh, you know, we live in a society that we've done a lot of beautiful things. We have a great education system in place and we learn a lot and we're very intellectual and rational and we learn all these things, but we don't ever really have the space to learn how to emotionally process that part of our life. And this is something that the Native American tribes are very good at with the ceremonies and the rituals and just the way that their community was designed. Mm -hmm. They were very good at um, establishing and going through that emotional process and we've kind of pushed that to the side in today's modern world of, of what life is like um, and so i would say the tools and strategies that helped me most in my life is those kind of emotional techniques that help me process emotions that i don't always have control of mm -hmm. let me give you an example real quick sure okay just just the other night i was i was talking on the phone with my friends and we were talking about a situation that had happened the week before um, with some things that some people had said. And I immediately, like immediately got pissed off, right? Immediately <laughs> got mad uh, based on just some, the, the, some interactions of things that were said about a, a certain circumstance, right? And mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, this emotion is something that I didn't control. It automatically showed up, right? I just got super angry. And if I was five, 10 years younger, I would have you know, pulled my sleeves up, went over to where I needed to go over and started a fight, right? Or, or started okay. arguing or, you know, stood up for myself in some, some way, shape or form uh, and just sure. probably made a complete, complete ass of myself, right? <laughs> and so one of those things of processing emotionally that I've learned is like, okay, this emotion has showed up, this anger has showed up. This, my reaction would not be even beneficial for my future. Like I work with kids. Uh, the, the last thing I need in tabloids is mentor gets arrested on the side of a city street. <laughs> so the thing that's been most beneficial for me is journaling, mm -hmm. being able to have a space to write down the thoughts and the emotions that I'm experiencing and put it somewhere in my, my reality, like remove it from myself and put it down somewhere else. And then also, you know, we, the writing, the journaling, the technique that I use the most is the five whys. Mm -hmm. So with any experience that I'm going through, it's like, okay, I'm feeling angry right now. Why am I feeling that way? I'm feeling angry because somebody said something that I didn't like. Why did I not like that? Mm -hmm. 
I didn't like that because it put me in a light that I didn't see myself in. Why don't you see yourself in that light? Because I'm on a journey to, you know, be a better person, how I represent myself in the world. So why is it important for you to maintain that? And as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into layers, you get to this root of understanding that, okay, I'm not angry because of what they said. I'm angry because I probably didn't act in a way that I really wanted to act. I wasn't authentic to who I really wanted to be and who I wanted to show up as. Mm. And they just called me out on that. <laughs> and, and so it's feedback for me. Okay. It's positive for me. I'm, I'm seeing that I did not show up in the way I wanted to show up. And so I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at myself. Mm-hmm. But my immediate reaction was just anger. I didn't know where the anger was going. I didn't know who it was tied to. I just tied it to the person that made me feel that, to the situation that made me feel that. And by writing, by journaling, by doing the five whys, I understand that okay, the anger is not tied to them, it's tied to me. Mm. Because I'm not living authentically. I'm not living the life that I want to live or the life that I represent to other people. Mm. So you mentioned five whys. What, what is the five whys? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, the, the five whys is a method to getting to the root cause of any problem. Mm. My dad's an environmental engineer and I brought it up to him. I thought it was like this personal development concept. I brought it up to him. He's like, oh yeah, we use that in our engineering facility to figure out what the problem is with a machine. Oh, okay. Yo, that's dope. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the five whys, I, I gave an example of it earlier, but it's whatever the situation is, whatever the problem is, going five whys deep. Ah, uh, okay. So we can go on the spot. We can go right now. Let's do a little bit of ad lib. Let's do it. Well, what is this podcast called? This is called The Rising Man Podcast. Okay, why did you call it The Rising Man Podcast? I called it The Rising Man Podcast because it captures the spirit of what I think all men are on a journey to do, to rise into their highest and greatest selves. And I wanted to provide a space for them to access that information. Why did you want to provide a space for them to access that information? Because I feel like it's a real problem. I feel like it's a real problem that a lot of men face is that they don't know how to go about that journey. There's a lot of people out there who are flying it solo and, and don't have the tools or the strategies that have helped me to in my own ascension into who I am. So I wanted to share that. Why do you think men don't have the tools or the strategies? I think it's just not a part of our culture. I think it's something that we're not raised with. We're not taught how to be vulnerable. We're not taught how to process emotions, like you said. We're not taught how to, um, how to imagine a life of purpose that's outside of the norm, that's outside of convention. Okay, and why do you think it's not a part of our society? Ooh, uh, that's a good one, man. I don't know. I don't know why it's not. It's, it's gotta be, um, part of me imagines that there's some people who want it that way, because it's easier to influence people who just operate mm. and, and make decisions in their lives based on what they think they're supposed to do or what society tells them to do. I think it's easier mm-hmm. to control and manipulate people from that space. Um, I think at some point that was probably the driving force behind it. And um, I think we've also just forgotten. I think that we society civilization probably was there a long time ago um, and we've just lost our way a little bit. So we're, we're, we're trying to find it all over again. And we're only on the fourth of why. See how deep that got? <laughs> yeah, that was cool, man. That was, that was some great stuff right there. And so what I want to connect with the fifth of why is, I'm going to answer this one for you. Uh-huh. Why is it important that you have the podcast now? And it's important for you to have the podcast because you are creating a space yourself because you believe that there's not a space like that in society for people to learn the tools and techniques that they need to go on this journey of manhood. Mm. Because for some reason or another, without us having that emotional ability to con- to control ourselves, have the tools and techniques to take that journey on our own, it's easy for us to be manipulated. If we don't know who we are, uh-huh. it's easier for people to tell us who we are, tell us what we need, tell us who we, who we can be. Wow. And so it makes sense to me. I understand your purpose so much deeper 
because you told me the whys, mm. you know, and, and I see why you created this because you want to provide that solution. You want to provide that space. This is part of your social responsibilities as part of your servant leadership. Absolutely, man. That, that was such a cool exercise. I'm glad you put me on the spot like that. And I probably could have saved myself a lot of time when I was trying to figure out how to articulate this mission <laughs> if I had just called you up. <laughs> so five whys. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you, you for sharing that. That's cool. You could use it for anything. Anything. It's crazy. Why do I like ice cream? (laughs) That's brilliant, man. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Awesome, man. Cool. So as we start to transition towards towards wrapping up this amazing conversation, um, I want to move towards, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're creating in the world right now and how that's connected? You know, you've kind of walked us up to the present moment. Um, And just because I know your story, I know that you're really in a big creation phase. So can you share a little bit about what that is you're creating, why you're creating it, and anything else you want to tell the people who are listening? Of course. The most exciting things that I'm creating, I'll talk about three of them right now mm-hmm. in my life right now. Um, obviously, one of them is going out with the mentor in LA every month with you guys. And what I'm creating there is creating connections with some phenomenal people. Like you, We have such a good crew that comes out and shows up for those boys at Lenox Middle School. And I've found so much benefit meeting the people as much as I have to be able to go in and facilitate the discussions and the conversations in the curriculum with the hundreds and hundreds of middle school boys. Mm. So that's something that I'm super excited about that I'm creating right now. And just the ability to move from the East to the West and experience the different people and the different cultures. The second thing that I make that I'm building and creating here in North Carolina is this youth leadership program called young innovators. Mm. And this has to directly do with my purpose. I'm creating a leadership program for juniors and seniors in the three school districts that I grew up in. So Lexington School District, Thomasville School District, and the Davidson County School District, there's 12 different high schools. And I went to one of those high schools, you know, middle school, high school. So I've been able to come back to my hometown after going all around the world, learning all this different stuff, and be able to give these students a space to learn about leadership, to learn about their stories, to learn about purpose, to learn about emotional understanding, to learn about empathy. And that's something that we don't get in the small town of Davidson County. <laughs> and so it's so cool and it feels so good to be in that space with those students and just to facilitate what I believe is part of my life and give that to the future leaders of our county and wherever they disperse out into the world. Mm. I, I can't even describe to you what that feeling is like. Mm. Uh, we just, just last, uh, January 29th, I think that was last week, we were in City Hall, the mayor came in, the superintendent, business leaders, community organizers, all came in to speak to the students. They were sitting at this boardroom, uh, 20 seats deep, and just to see how much life they had and the questions that they had and the inspiration that they had to create a difference in the community. I wasn't there when I was in high school. Mm. So it's so neat to be able to provide a platform uh, and a space for them to explore that because we don't have that in Davis County. We have two of the poor, poor school districts in the state of North Carolina. So we have a lot of programs that bring up the bottom line, very few programs for those highly gifted and high potential students. Mm. And then the third thing that I'm creating right now is an online leadership platform uh, for students across the US. And it's with a company based out of Utah. We're building an online curriculum that exposes students to the concepts of leadership and the concept of personal development, the concept of telling your story and emotional intelligence through the lens of a virtual platform 
that is highly connected with social media. So it's speaking in a language that they understand about concepts that are going to be important for them as they move on to college and as they move on to the workforce. Wow, man, that's powerful stuff that you're, you're putting out there. And, and what I love about that is, you know, especially the youth work when you're working with people younger than ourselves or a generation behind us, it's, it's something that we can, we can help them reach just a little bit higher than we did. And if they learn to do the same thing, so then true. it's just like, it's like climbing a ladder and we get to give them that you know, last little boost to get up there and then uh, see what they do with their lives and, and their you know brilliant ideas and innovative uh, strategies. So that's, that's beautiful work you're doing, man. Um, and I look forward to any ways, any ways that anyone who's listening right now could find out more information, support you. You want to put that out there right now? Find out more information and support me. Yeah, so uh, if you guys want to connect with me, I would say the best, I'm, I'm kind of anti-social media right now, but it, you know, you can catch me at good points uh, when I, when I read download it on my phone, they catch me on Facebook at Wade Wynn, Instagram at C Wade Wynn, and my email, C Wade Wynn at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up through any of those platforms, questions. I got answers for you. I got space for you. I got time to hop on a call, whatever we need to do. Happy to support whatever way that I can. Beautiful, man. And I'll make sure that that information is in the show notes of people who want to follow you, catch your journey when you pop up on the radar, that they can find you where you're at. Um, before we close up here, I got two closing questions I want to ask you, uh, as, as lean and mean as you can make the response. So the first one is, what is the one thing that you wish you knew when you were 18 that you've learned now? That's a great question. Lean and mean, one thing that I wish I knew at 18 that I didn't know now. That I, that I do know now, it'll all work out. It'll all work out. <laughs> yeah. So simple, man. Oh, so yeah. good. It'll all work out. No matter what situation, what circumstances, it always works out. So good, man. And then the last question is, um, what do you think it means to be a man in the modern world right now or the time we're living in? Yeah, the trend that I'm seeing right now in the world is it's not so much of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman, but we're starting to experience this integration of what it means to be human. Mm. And I think that's the question that we can ask ourselves collectively now is, is how do I show up as human? Mm-hmm. You know, you see all the mixtures and the explorations of what gender is and, and what man and woman are. I think that it is just a product and a physical experience of us exploring what it is to be human mm. and all of its aspects. Mm-hmm. So what would you say that is? What is it to be human? Mm. What is it to be human? To be able to learn our way through things, to be able to F up and know that on some way, shape, or form, it's going to be beneficial for our lives later on. Mm-hmm. And that it's not about getting it right, but it's about being with it and understanding it and figuring out how to use it to better your, your existence. I think what it is to be human is also what it is to be life. There is this inherent growth process in life. You can look at it in the trees and the animals and the birds and the bees. We're always evolving. Mm. Evolution is always happening. So what it means to be human is to evolve. The way that we evolve is we experience things, we learn from them, and we use them in a better way. Beautiful, man. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, thank you for all the wisdom that you dropped on us today, man, for taking the time, like I said earlier. at 25 years old, man, you're, you're a special guy. And anyone who's listening to this should definitely keep track of your journey because I know you're going to do some great things in this life, bro. Beautiful. Can I give one more shout out before we hop off? Yeah, man. Go for it. All right. Awesome. All right, one thing that I'm learning about my story is that when I first started to tell it, I was always like, okay, you know, I've been through divorce. I've been through abuse. I've, I've been through, uh, you know, 
drugs in the home and stuff like that. I was always learning how to tell the negative things. But what I want to say right now is that without my mother and father being who they were in my life, without my grandparents being who they were in my life and the support and the constant love and dedication that they gave to me, I never would have been able to find my way out of those negative aspects of my life. So the same thing that we see those trends of, you know, figuring out all the challenges that you've been through. I also want people to start to understand what opportunities have you been given? What blessings were you giving? What were those lights in the darkness that stood out to you in your childhood? Hmm. And I think those two can be very defining moments. Awesome, okay, man. I'm good. Wise, wise words to <laughs> live by, I think. <laughs> well, thanks for- Gotta shout out mom and dad. <laughs> thanks for tagging that on at the end there, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to bring you back on the show a little bit later down the road and check in with you and see how things are going. For sure, man. Right on, Wade. Well, take care, bro. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Appreciate you for the space. Appreciate you for the mission. And over, Jetty. You got it. Wow, what an episode. I've listened to this episode a few times now, and I keep coming away with new nuggets that I hadn't heard every single time I listened to it. I was so struck by Wade's story and some of the things that happened to him and his stepbrothers when he was growing up. Just imagining what that could do to an individual and how there are some boys, some young people in the world who are carrying around this trauma, this abuse, like a, a badge of shame. And I love how Wade has learned for himself how to turn that shame, how to turn that story into something positive, a blessing, as he said. And I hope that there are other men out there, other young, young men, young boys who are listening to this and recognizing that you have the power to do that as well. In fact, we all do. We all have the power to rise above our story, to rise above our circumstances, make the most out of it, and turn it into a blessing that we can share with others. So look forward to having Wade back on here in the future after he crushes it for another couple of years. Um, as always, you guys, if you want to check out more in the show notes for links and resources related to this episode, head over to the risingmanpodcast.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. That's the way you're going to get updates about the most recent episodes, blog posts, and new opportunities that are going to be coming your way really shortly here now that we've got the podcast launched and lifted. While you're there, make sure you leave a comment, any questions you have for us that's going to help us do this podcast better because this is for you. This is for all for you guys. So let us know what we could be doing better. Make sure you guys who are listening to this on your podcast apps, please leave a review. Let us know how you're liking the episode. Uh, so it's feedback for us. And also it lets other people out there who haven't heard any episodes, who don't know anything about the podcast, recognize what this is all about and how positive and how profound it can be for all kinds of men and, and people out there in the world. I tell you what, guys, this week, if you guys take a screenshot of it for me and you send it to the rising man podcast at gmail.com, I will respond to you personally with a heartfelt thank you and a special gift from my heart to yours. So Take a screenshot of the review after you write it, send it over to the Rising Man Podcast at gmail.com, and I'll hook you up. Also, if you haven't already, join the Rising Man Facebook community. The URL is facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man. This is where we have ongoing conversations about the episodes, the profound messages that people took from each one, and all different types of challenges and triumphs that different men all across the world are having. This is really the heart and soul of the Rising Man movement. This is where we get to connect men from the United States, the Australias, the Canadas, all the countries across the world where we've got men doing the good work and starting to ask some deep questions. So head over to the Facebook group. Make sure you sign up. Make sure you also reach out to us on Instagram. Give us a follow if you haven't already at the Rising Man Pod. 
is the official podcast Instagram. And if you want to check out some of my personal messages over at Jedi Azuma, you can also catch me there. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records, at Less Than Three Records. That's the number three. Sean is the man behind the scenes. He's like the wizard behind the curtain who is making this whole operation run. He's my audio engineer. He is absolutely crushing it right now. Anybody who's got any kind of audio needs, head over and check out Sean at Less Than Three Records. And to wrap everything up with a big fat bow on it, till the next time we speak, rise up and claim your destiny.